Oh, windshield time again. It's Tuesday. Tuesday, March the 19th. I hope everybody didn't rage it too hard for St. Patrick's Day. It's week three of self-employment. Haven't brought any revenue in yet, so uh, that's always good. It's the fun part about entrepreneurship. The good news is, is um, I knew uh, growing up on a dirt road and having to build fires on a regular basis to keep yourself warm, because uh, we had a wood-burning stove, is it gives you a unique perspective of just how much you don't need in your life to live off of. My wife and I started about nine months ago just seeing what we could cut out of our lives of expenses and everything else. So we've gotten pretty good at it. Not perfect, but we've, we've cut out a lot of things. And, uh, you know, it's the usual. I mean, we don't get a, a car payments or second mortgages or any shit like that. But it gives a lot of freedom when you decide to quit your job of 11 years to go do something else, to build something else. I think everybody expects shit to happen a lot quicker than they anticipate, but with the type of customers that my partner and I are working with, they they don't really make decisions very quickly, which, which I have found a commonality. You do, in business, need to be hyper aware of people that say yes often and too frequently and too easily because... It means they're just throwing a bunch of shit against the wall to see what sticks. Whereas the people that actually make you work for it a little bit or make you be a little bit more organized and detailed. Most of the time. A little bit more stable business people. I had a guy the other day pitch me his app. Which is weird when someone's pitching you their app. His app is about... Yeah, I'm sure you've heard this pitch before. His app was for, um, you can go to it and it tells you what's going on in your community that night. It's geo-based, so it can tell you what's going on in your neighborhood or so on and so forth. And he described it to me. I was like, I think I've sat to this pitch at least five times before, but hey, I'll be your Huckleberry. So listen to his pitch and tell me everything he's done and then the cool launch party they're going to have. To which I responded, yes, but what about why, what are you doing to make people want to sign up for your app or download it? Nah, dude, it'd be cool. Our launch party is going to be awesome and we got all this stuff going on and, you know, we've already launched in four other cities and we've already reached out to all these bars and restaurants. It's going to be great. Okay, I get that and good job, but what... If no one sees a value in downloading it because they can just search the internet anyway. Facebook has a little feature that's called events. And all I have to do is go on and create an event and list that event. And then other people that already have Facebook, that's eh, a few billion. I think it's a few billion. They, they can just tab right over 
pick family-friendly neighborhood events, wine-related, theater. Yep. Yep, it's all right there. So, uh, again, how you getting people to sign up for this app? So, I wish them luck. But, hey, man, and this is my, my favorite part of the pitch was it's like it's 90 days. You like 90 days, no cost. Then, dude, it's just like free marketing. It's like free marketing. Okay, I get that. And even like the, not, the the timeline that people put out there, it's such arbitrary things. Like 90 days. Why 90 days? Why not 86 days? Why not like 104 days? You know? At least if you said 104 days, you'd be like, hey, yeah, man, everybody's getting 104 days of free advertising. You'd be like, why 104? Like, well, you know, the equinox and the lunar cycle and everything makes a little bit more sense to us. Like, uh, oh, that makes sense. This dude may be into astrology and a little bit kookier than I like, but it is what it is. So, I appreciate his gumption and dumping $50,000 and building out an app that does, in essence, what Facebook events already does. But hey, sometimes there's ideas that are so wrong they're right. So, hopefully, good luck to this fella. Um, yeah, it was a good weekend, man. My uh, wife and I opened her bar, sandbar, um, all outdoor bar at a big gay event. And the Nashville uh, Grizzlies, inclusive rugby team here in Nashville, had their field day. It's a bit of a party. We went out on Sunday and met some friends at uh, McNamara's Irish Pub. They had a good racket, man. It was like twenty dollars to even go in. Twenty buck, twenty dollar cover charge just to go in the Irish restaurant. Not even for your food, but just to go in. Because if it sucked, you're out of twenty bucks. What can they say? They didn't even promise anything. They just said it's twenty dollars to get in. But you can't blame them. We paid it like suckers. Went in and had tried to have my second beer in two and a half years. I'm good. I'm good. I had a beer the last day that uh, I was at Yazoo just at a ceremonial situation. And I had it with lunch. It's not like I was sitting there just falling over. It was a good beer, but you know, I ordered a Guinness this weekend for St. Patrick's Day and I took one drink of it. Guinness is like, like I enjoy the smell of a cigarette being lit up. Like the first light up of a cigarette. I like that smell. I don't like the smell of cigarette smokes, but cigarette smoke but when a cigarette is being lit up I kind of like that smell uh, and it's kind of like the, the, the Guinness like that first drink was good man it was delicious but that's really all I needed I tried to have a second drink and I'm like yeah there's no point in this it was just it didn't hold up to the hype of the first drink which I've been saying it for years if a brewer can't make a beer that makes someone want to finish it and order another one, you kind of failed. I mean, but you'll see a lot of, I noticed too in construction and old timers that drank a lot of domestic beer, they uh, they never finished the last two or three ounces of their beer because it's gotten warm and it tastes god awful. Those beers got to stay cold. So, uh, no telling how much of that beer is just wasted. But McNamara's was good. It was loud as hell. It was funny though, it, the Irish pub, they had like four big screen TVs 
and they were all tuned to CBS, which was interesting because I'd like to go to a bar and watch 60 Minutes, but after that, it went to like whatever their regular programming and stuff was, which is amusing to me because there's like there's always soccer on somewhere or like you know Filipino badminton or something, but these uh. Yeah, I thought it was just an amusing choice. The crowd was a little bit older, but, I mean, it wasn't like I want to watch 60 Minutes at the Irish Bar on St. Patrick's Day older. But that was good. We we went. We saw. Caught up with some friends of ours. We actually got friends now. I've said it two or three times, but it's like once we moved to the town we live in, like <clears throat> 36,000 people, I've made very few friends. And that's been out of purpose. And I sound like a jerk when I say that. Not saying there's not probably cool people out there, but uh, the fact that, like in a small town, man, if it doesn't go well or they're weird, or the thing that most married couples watch out for, they're swingers, which we've already had that happen. It's always like when they lead off the conversation with it, at least it keeps you from guessing. But uh, yeah, then shit gets weird. Like my wife was meeting with some people with a dog group, and the lady's like, "Oh yeah, welcome to town." And we're swingers. It's like, all right. So now we we'd love to help out with the dogs, but it's just weird because these people. I don't know why swingers are weird to everybody. They are to me too, and I get it. I respect your decision and stuff. It's just it's just odd. I guess it's the same way really homophobic people feel when they think that every gay person wants to sleep with them. And they don't. I guess it's the same way that married people feel about swingers, thinking that they want to sleep with them. When probably, in all actuality, most swingers aren't just open to any couple. They probably needs to be an attraction there. I would assume. I don't know. I'm not in the community. But yeah, I've been really hesitant to make friends living there. And I think most people are like that. I mean, if you'd like dumb luck into, yeah, man, my neighbor and I are one of my best friends, blah, blah, blah. I respect the shit out of that. That's, that would be great. But the vast majority of people don't. They're like, yeah, I know my neighbor enough in case my house or his house catches fire, gets blown down or robbed. We can communicate and it's not weird. That's about the extent. Our neighbors, yesterday we had uh, this dude sent out a message on Facebook. And you can check out the picture on the Neil McCormick on Instagram. You're not already following me there. Uh, this dude put a thing on Facebook saying that, hey, I'm metal detector duder and I'm looking for people with older homes to go metal detector around their house. I'm like, yeah, let's do this. Because I tried to do that before at my house. My house is 83 years old. And as I told this guy, the good news is you find stuff. The bad news is you find a bunch of stuff. Because I've had five burn piles since I've lived there. And I'm going to guess everybody before me that didn't have ready trash pickup had burn piles too. So there's just nails and Coke tabs and random stuff all over the place. So this dude comes over yesterday, starts plowing through the yard. Great duder. I say plowing. He wasn't literally plowing. He had a small shovel. But uh, he starts scanning the yard. First thing he finds is a, a 1944 wheat penny. And then another one. 
And then he finds two silver 1944 dimes, which were really cool. Really, really cool. I thought that was awesome. And then he found, like, some luxury tax tokens from Alabama in the backyard, which were really cool. Um, but good duder, man. But my neighbors came over, brought their kids, hung out, too. And while they were over, uh, the other neighbor, which we barely know, just has a loud-ass car, kind of really young guy. Like, his dog got out of the house, was roaming around, and I had the front door open. The dog just roamed in the house. I think I should have cared more, but I really didn't because I got small kids, and I'm sure he could have always found something to eat. Uh, but the kid, I'm, like, trying to be empathetic because the kid has this loud-ass Mazda Miata and lives with his mom in a duplex with his girl now and apparently got his chick pregnant. So he's probably like 19 or 20. Got like a pregnant chick. He's got friends always coming and going. I kind of suspected he was selling weed or something, but why do I really care about somebody selling weed? I would actually, if you gave me the choice to having a raging alcoholic next door or a dude that just a low-level weed seller guy just sold to his friends, I'll take the weed guy any day. I'm cool with that. The raging alcoholic guy, there's going to be some problems there. Always going to be some problems. But all I have to say is I got pretty good neighbors. Ted, my neighbor on the other side, is the best neighbor ever. He's finally got his garden tilled. Um, Ted's thing about buying a metal detector. What I love about Ted is he never sets idle. He always has some project going on. It's evident by looking in his garage. This is no shit. Ted's got in his garage... Uh, like a Mustang he redid. Um, he's got the uh, go-kart from when his son, which is almost 30, rode go-karts. Uh, he's got uh, the, the four-wheelers, two four-wheelers. He's got bicycles. He's got two dirt bikes. He's just got everything, man. Ted's just like either built it or hung on to it or whatever, maintained He's just got like a two bay garage just packed full of stuff which gives me anxiety every time I look at it but hey I'm sure he's got it figured out man but he's always he's that older generation that always has a project going on either always like he's come on he's either putting a winch on his trailer or like tilling the garden or building a cedar stand on wheels for his wife to cook stuff out by their fire pit or making a cedar bench to go out by the fire pit or building a fire pit. Uh, when I just, we decided to get chickens a couple years ago, Ted saw our chickens, and I made like a ghetto coop, and Ted decided he spent like two weeks making this coop that was just like two-story pimped-out coop that he could move around and just serve. But much like our chickens, Ted's chickens have just been picked off by Mother Nature. You're better just to leave a grilled chicken sandwich on your front porch than you are trying to get chickens and put them in your backyard and keep them alive. Because everything wants to eat your chickens. Everything. Foxes, neighbors' dogs, birds from the sky, other chickens, everything. thought I had a secure cage. I did until I didn't. And then they just slowly but surely started dying. Mother Nature took a couple of them. But... Yeah. It's rolling into Nashville, past the Hermitage, the Hermitage, which I've never been to the Hermitage, which is 
Andrew Jackson's home. They have a big spread and piece of property. I'm still kind of bitter about the Trail of Tears, to be honest. Um, he told all the Native Americans that they could stay if they just assimilated, and they did. And even a bunch of them owned slaves and had farms and all this, and they still loaded them up and shipped them off of their farms and homes and property they owned to the Trail of Tears. Gave them an awful small pox blanket. Yeah, it was Andrew Jackson. Old Hickory, they said. But he lived in Lebanon where we live when he was a lawyer. Him and uh, Sam Houston both. Um, which is interesting, the metal detector duder yesterday had some good info about our property in the neighborhood and stuff. It was pretty cool. But he found, uh, when he was prospecting through the yard, he found uh, apparently people used to melt lead down and pour it on their window seals or something to do with their windows. So he's always finding chunks of lead out in yards. All right, we're slowing down here. The podcast is brought to you by R.C. Matthews Contractors. Uh, building landmarks for 75 years. I'd like to thank R.C. Matthews for their inadvertent sponsorship. And their guy driving a truck with a cigarette hanging out the window. It's always a good move. At least he's got the window down with that. Also brought to you by O'Reilly's Auto Parts. For all your auto parts needs. What's their tagline? Professional parts people. That's O'Reilly's. I before E except after C, except for when you're spelling O'Reilly's. I just made that up. You can have it, O'Reilly's. Don't worry about it. My buddy Nate used to go around and set up O'Reilly's. I think it was O'Reilly's Auto Parts Store. Once I heard a comedian say, if you see it on an airplane and you don't want people to talk to you when they ask you what you do, just say you set up Meineke muffler shops. And uh, I was telling my buddy Nate about that, and he said, uh, or tell him you set up O'Reilly's Auto Parts Store. Nobody wants to talk about that either, which seems legit. But yeah, O'Reilly Auto Parts, uh, thanks for your sponsorship, inadvertently, for the podcast. Ah, drinking this delicious nectar of coffee. It's never been a coffee person until as of late. I think that's where I've directed all my, my creative, in-depth energy of wanting to drink a detail-oriented beverage is by getting coffee since I quit drinking. Yeah, I think with uh, Nashville traffic, I've determined that there's zero rhyme or reason why it slows down or picks up. Like, 90% of the time traffic's slow, there's no accident. At least you'd feel it, uh, sorry, I feel like a dick talking about there being traffic or blah, blah, blah. But most of the time you get up there, there's really, there's not traffic at all. There's nothing. Just people just slowing down. Like, why are we slowing down? Because other people slowed down. All right. Sounds good. Podcast is also inadvertently brought to you by All Natural Snapple. Snapple with their lemon tea flavor. Uh, they're a big fan of the uh, Let's Play initiative. I guess that's something where they uh, try to convince us there's not 30 grams of sugar in their drinks so kids can go out and play for the most part. Oh, look at this. Look at this. What's the cross-section of a lime green Jeep that has a license plate that says Jeeper on it and the wheel cover that says Paradise is where you make it, uh, which I'm guessing that's like a parrot head thing. And he's got a faded NRA sticker. John Prine should come out with another song to redo his Your uh, American Decal Sticker Won't Get You Into Heaven Anymore. 
it should be your faded NRA sticker ain't going to keep you from getting shot anymore. It's been a vast number of NRA members get shot as of late. Check the local listings, folks. When I say vast, I think like two or three. Um, so, uh, passing, passing the dam, dam right now. See if they're, they're letting water out of the dam. As I was walking with my, uh, two boys yesterday on the little greenway where they had a ton of flooding and, uh, water like everybody else in middle Tennessee over the last little bit, a lot of garbage kids. Just wondering where all the garbage comes from. Is it just people, is it just like all the roadway garbage just gets swept up and pushed on down the river? For the most part, in the uh, we were we were walking on this greenway, and there's a big park called Don Fox Park, named after the former mayor of Lebanon. And then before you get that to that one on the greenway, that park is big and it's got a big jungle gym. And before you get to that one, there's a smaller park that has a smaller jungle gym. It's right off a little bitty parking lot off the greenway, and that one is weird because it's like where parents take their kids because they don't want to worry about seeing their ex at the other park. So it's always like a mom or dad, you can tell, that has visitation with their kid is there. There's always some chick that has like a, a one of those big robot like battery packs for her vape that she carries around. That's She most likely smokes because it's better for her, that Dr. Pepper and cotton candy flavor better than her smoking cigarettes. If your battery on your vape is bigger than your battery on your phone, then the phone can send messages to space and travel around the world in the push of a button. And your vape is just to get that cotton candy and Dr. Dr. Pepper flavor vaporizing your mouth man there's some there's some priority issues there just throwing it out there is it we gonna get to a point in the future when people just they talk about how well their vape works with the smaller battery and how compact it is i mean i got a like a weed i got a weed vape pen and it's like tiny but i i mean if i had to carry around a battery that looked like it held four d batteries around to smoke that and I don't even need to take it with me I'm good it's strictly for medicinal purposes only depending on what you consider medicine but sunshine can be considered medicine too so take that for what it's worth I said weed I mean air quotes CBD CBD air quotes not going to criminally incriminate myself on the on the uh, podcast that gets listened to by the the tens and sometimes hundreds, especially in a prohibitionist state like Tennessee, Governor Lee said he's not gonna not gonna legalize do anything with marijuana. As Joe Rogan, the great theologian, said, "That's a guy that's obviously never eaten mushrooms before." I think your rigidity. Once you've had a psychedelic experience, your rigidity on things in life you just don't care about anymore. Or you're, you're, yeah, you loosen up your rigidity. Or you have your fingers held on things that you think other people should or shouldn't be doing. There's a lot of shit that ain't my bag, but I ain't going to tell anybody they shouldn't or shouldn't be doing it. It is what it is. Oh, here's a little bit more traffic by the airport. I remember when I first moved to Tennessee in 98. 
going to the airport with like a friend or a girlfriend or something and looking up at the marquee board. I'd never flown bright at that point. Or this may have been even the first time I flew. I um, remember being amazed coming from a small town Arkansas looking up at the board and seeing all the places you could be at in a matter of hours. It just blew my mind, man. Like it was like two and a half, three hours to get to Branson where I was from. She was four to Dallas, three and a half to Oklahoma City, two to Tulsa, two to Little Rock. But you can get on an airplane in four hours being in San Francisco. That just blew my mind. That just still blows my mind when you think about it. You can go in and you can just sit down for like three or four hours and go take the trip that used to take people in a wagon train with wooden wheels months to do. And the chances of them making it were very slim. Wooden wheels. Think about that, folks. Wooden wheels. We've gone from a little over 100 years from wooden wheels. So you can sit down with your earbuds and, and just punch out. It'll bring you delicious foods and beverages. And you can watch the news. Feel safe. Dude, even with these two most recent Boeing air flights crashing, they could have one crash a week. One crash a week of 200 people of airlines times 52 weeks of the year. So let me do my Arkansas math here. Let's say there's 200 people times five. That is 1,000 people times another zero that would be 10,000 people so if we had an airline crash every week a Boeing crash every week let's just get crazy and round it up to 15,000 people for the year 15,000 people would die if we had a plane crash every week on Boeing that's still one quarter of the people that die in automobile accidents every year in America 44,000 died last year and that is less than one quarter of what died from uh, drug overdoses, which was 45,000. They beat car accidents last year. How crazy is that shit? You don't have anybody out there saying, like, hey, man, we got we to gotta stop all prescriptions for opioids so we figure something out. I'm not advocating that at all. I'm just saying that is way knee-jerk. Well, they grounded every one of these airplanes around the world, folks. Around the world. We've had two crashes in a month. Two crashes. Yes, it sucks. I hate for those people. But let's do the math here. Two airplanes have crashed. Now, let's just say they had 300 people and had 600 people that died. And that sucks. But when you do the math, it's that is more people die every week in America in car crashes. It's pushing almost a thousand. It's like 850 people a week. Same to die from drug overdoses. Don't see anybody losing their mind asking for a reprogram on those cars. Don't see anybody trying to hold hold the automobile makers' feet to the fire like they are with these airlines. And I'm sure there's a few design flaws that didn't really wasn't that conducive for people to to break or to handle. Or I wonder how many crashes, fatal crashes, are in cars that people have owned less than a month. Like, these poor bastards are flying these planes. The plane's only been around for a year or so, I think. I may be talking completely out of my ass, but they've only been around for a year or so. And, yes, it's the same control panel and everything, but theoretically, isn't a car? And 
I'm sure there's people that have had problems navigating a car or screwed up or something because they weren't that familiar with it. In case y'all can't tell, my coffee just kicked in, and that's awesome. That's all I'm saying is it as much as we freak out over airplane crashes, these two, or even, I, it just blows my mind the shit that we worry about in comparison to the grand scheme of things. I mean, it's like, I mean, even the amount of people that like, committed suicide last year is a ridiculous amount in comparison to these plane crashes. You know, <clears throat> you don't see everybody popping up, popping up, uh, you know, mental health facilities in, in every community. If we were that serious about saving lives, but that's what it was all about. This comes down to it's about stock price and saving face and the economy. I get it. It's just that everything else isn't as glamorous to do that with. I wish it was. I wish suicide was. I wish heart disease was when it comes to fast food and our shit food diet in America. And I'm, yes, overweight like anybody else. But God damn, you know, the things that we choose to worry about and give a shit about it as a society and a government just blows my mind. Did you wake up in a warm house today? Check local listings. Was everybody that's the closest to you, your closest people on your list of 10, were they healthy and happy? Did you check in on them? Did you call somebody you haven't talked to in a while and tell them you love them and you appreciate them and you're thinking about them? Did you call somebody you ain't talked to a while, just ask them how they're doing and just sit and shut your face and listen to them? You done that? You listen to a piece of music that you, that you haven't listened to in a while that you're really juiced about or, man, maybe it's one you listen to every day. Did you do that? I mean, I, I think, like, I was reading this morning in an online email newsletter I get about this guy that is a, like, one of the most well renowned economist he served under bush and obama and you know he'd done all this amazing stuff that took his life in dc i believe and and i'm not saying i have the solution or i know about mental illness or i know that what works or what doesn't work when it comes to letting people see the world but god damn man everything is so good everything is so good and especially in this country, that the one of the main killers is us. That's how good shit is. I wish I could put together a list of just 20 things. You're thinking about suicide? Check these 20 things off before you give yourself the benefit of the doubt. Do these 20 things. And those 20 things would be going out into nature. Hiking a hundred miles with a friend or a stranger or anybody, just to air it out. Go go to a third world country or shit, hardly any, just about any country outside of America and most of Europe, or even some parts of Europe. Go to Africa for a month. Go to a good bit of South America, Central America. Shit, like I said, most anywhere outside of America. And live off the generosity of other people for a month. I haven't done either one of these things. But I'm telling you that if I ever get in a bind mentally or stuck, that's the first shit that I'm doing. And I'm probably going to do it anyway. You know? Go to a nursing home. Talk to some people there, man. Talk to some people there and ask them about their life and what they do and don't regret and what they wish they would have done and all that. You know? Do some shit that makes you realize how good everything is around you 
And is it perfect? No, it ain't perfect. But goddamn, it's better than it's ever been. And if you don't believe that, and you just don't have the internet, or don't don't aren't looking too hard because things are so good, man. It just I guess it's the thing that wraps my head around with, and I get the mental illness thing. I get it. I really do get it. I've never had I've never had to deal with it, but I understand people are in a tough spot. But I can't deny that suicide rates in countries where the average citizen makes significantly less than the I mean makes a tenth or less than a tenth. People that survive on a hundred dollars a month. Their suicide rates aren't shit comparison to ours, you know? And the correlation between those countries that have, like, when you don't have shit and you live in an area that doesn't have shit and everybody is used to not having shit, it's okay that you don't have shit because no one else does around you either. And you just look around and the sense of community and stuff there, it's not utopia. Yes, there are crime and so on and so forth, but people know their neighbor a lot better than people that are living in a that are living in five hundred thousand dollar houses in neighborhoods with no sidewalks and yes i'm speaking out of my ass with most of this but there is some truth buried in there too is it it's it's the having that sense of community I, there's a trailer park i drive by every day on the way to the airport or not the way to the airport on the way to the interstate and it's a community, and there's probably 75 kids waiting at the bus stop outside of this trailer park. It's a gated trailer park, so it's a nice one. There's probably 75 kids waiting to get on the bus in the mornings out there. You know how damn jealous I am that my kids aren't out there playing grab ass and dicking around with the other kids, and they they don't... That sense of community is just... We used to build all of our neighborhoods with sidewalks because everybody wanted to engage and talk to each other and, 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 you know, work some stuff out and have that sense of community. But we do it now, and it's like a luxury, and nobody ever uses them. It's a rare thing, man. When I pick my kids up in a stroller or a wagon, people give me a look like I'm running for office or I'm that slow kid pushing the shopping cart around. Like, this is what everybody used to do, man. Everybody used the sidewalks. Everybody walked around. Everybody talked to each other. Everybody waved each other, you know? I mean, that would definitely be on my list. of Like, how much more can you serve of your community and people around you? Yes, I get that. You, I mean, but to be stuck in a cycle of your environment and of who you are, I think the only choice is to end that. I'm not saying that picking up garbage at your local greenway is going to be the solution, but, man, it damn sure wouldn't hurt just to get out you know see how beautiful things are and how good they can be so I was thinking about we were watching um, CBS Sunday morning and there was a like 17 year old girl like honor student part of robotics all these things that her parents were coming forth with her diary about her taking her own life and all I could think of was about all the good food I've had in life that this poor girl's probably never had I ain't saying that's going to keep you from being depressed by any means because I'm a fat kid. I'm just saying there's just so much good shit out there that it's like, before you count it out, for you it's like there's nothing else to live for. You ever stood with your feet on the edge of the water, like Tybee Island, Georgia, when the sun came up with like five or six really good friends? 
the butt crack of dawn, literally. And everybody just stares in silence. That's pretty fucking awesome. If you haven't done that, that's pretty cool. I've seen your own kid figure out how to pick something up for the first time. That shit's pretty cool. You know? You ever went into a... You ever you ever been somewhere where somebody was just, uh, like, kind and gracious to you for absolutely no reason at all and just helped you out? That's pretty cool. And after experiencing those things, it's really hard for me to believe that... I mean, it's really... There's no way I could ever put myself in a position to take my own life to where it was like, I'm done here. There's just so much of that good stuff that's left out there. I don't know. I guess there's a certain sense of the mindset you can let yourself get into to think that it, you're done. You've checked off all the boxes. And I guess some of the mindset is that you can never check off all the boxes. Every day is spent trying to check off as many as you possibly can. And sometimes those are external physical things and sometimes they're internal mental things and relationship things. It never ends, you know. This is a good thing. I'd probably mentioned it two or three times, but if you haven't ever searched on YouTube for Alan Watts, if God got bored, when God gets bored, or something along the lines lines with that, I think it's called. It's just Alan Watts is his free thinker, and uh, he's his great delivery. But it's this talk that he gave about if God got bored is what it's called. It's really, really good. It's always inspiring. So I've rambled on enough. Appreciate everybody's patience. There's a slow-moving Neil to Coffee Kicks In Neil rolling into Nashville right now. Johnny Cash's Kitchen and Saloon. I wonder what Johnny Cash's Kitchen is. Coming soon to downtown. Interesting. I didn't really think of Johnny Cash as a culinary wizard, but I'm sure they'll have clever names for everything. Can't wait to have the... uh, Man in black pancakes. They're just black pancakes. That's all I got, everybody. Enjoy your Tuesday. Call somebody you ain't talked to in a while. I'm sure they'd love to hear from you. Just listen. Doesn't take much. That's the easiest part. Thanks again for listening to Windshield Time. Appreciate the support. Don't hesitate to reach out if you need anything. Just the Neil McCormick at Gmail and on Instagram. Probably already Facebook friends with you anyway. That's all I got. Have a good day.